uh, knowing I was going to have the honor to address you this morning and to bring the Word of God to you. And I was thinking this week uh, that I've had the privilege of being on pastoral staff in the church churches for 19 years. I was like, wow. So y'all, some of y'all are going, man, you started when you must have been like seven. <laughs> and no, I just, you know. And over those 19 years, I've probably had the opportunity to address crowds in bringing the gospel and teach the Word of God over 600 times. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot of times. And I said, you know, Dan, I said, you'd think by this time you'd have this down. But can I tell you something? You are the most intimidating church I've ever <laughs> spoken in front of in my life. This is, I mean, y'all are scary looking. You should come up here and take a look at you. I know you try to doll yourself up. You need more bigger smiles. Just get those smiles up a little more. You know, it's intimidating um, to me because I, um, I know our pastor well. I love our pastor well. And um, there's probably not a greater expositor of the Word of God than him that I know of. And I've known him for, for quite a long time. And I'm, I'm, so I know he brings you and he feeds you well. So part of me goes, <gasps> man, they're bringing in like the fourth string guy, fifth string guy to come in here and do it. You know, I feel like the gate, Gators having to go in the field and play a game, you know? It's just like, oh, it's going to be, you know, dear Lord, what's up? Sorry, sorry. I've, I've been here for four and a half years. I've never gotten able to do a joke because you've always been a lot better than us. <clears throat> Florida State, whoo. And um, I've got to admit to you, and I'm going to be sort of transparent. I hope you'll allow me to be transparent some, not too transparent, um, but some transparent some just about life and um, things that I've learned and what God has taught me. And I'm going to share some things because a lot I've gotten wrong. There's been a couple things I've gotten right. And when I boast today, understand I'm boasting in the greatness of God and not the greatness in Dan, because if I opened up those doors, it's, it's just, it, it, there's nothing to see. But I come here today even to speak to you, and I feel weak. I feel inadequate. And um, I'm encouraged by a scripture that I've read over and over today in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when Paul's talking about a thorn in his flesh, and this is what he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest in me. And I don't know where you're at today, but I think we go through life, and we, as we're, we're trying to live this Christian life, and man, we feel weak. Can you just claim that scripture in your life? Understand that in your weakness, God is your strength, and he makes himself known through your weakness. And so because of that, even though I may talk and repeat words like 47 times and kick myself in the head a lot, man, in my weakness, my God is strong. Amen. So I'm, though I am... Inadequate in this place, I'm excited to be here because I believe God's called me to speak to you. Not that I'm that great, but, but, but that my God is that great. Before we start, Pastor Mike is at a church in Greenville, North Carolina. It's a church plant that we have been supporting you as a church every month for, for eight years. They've now grown to the size of our church, and we're about to end that time of support because they're bringing in a lot more money than we are. They don't need our support, which is good. But they, they called Mike and said, 
we're doing a lot of great things around our city, but we, we lack in glo- global miss, 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 missions. Will you come and lead a mission co- conference for us? And he, he spoke at 9 this morning. He's speaking right now. As I speak to you today, he's speaking with that church. He'll speak tonight, and he's doing a lunch there there tomorrow. So he's got a lot on his plate. So we've lent him out to them to for God to use in a mighty way. I'm, I'm going to ask you, before we even start here, let, let's pray for them there. Let's pray for Mike as he brings the word, that God will just reveal what he needs to share. Let's pray for the congregation that's there, that they will hear the word and they will respond to it. And as you, we, we pray for them, I don't mind if you pray for me. And I don't mind, too, if you pray for you, uh, because we all need this word of God in our lives to be lived out. So please join me in prayer this morning. Dear God, we just come to you. Lord, we thank you for the chance to be in your house today. We thank you for the worship that we had today. And Lord, may that just not end here in just the songs that we sang, but may we even take it as we go, as, as, as we leave this, this place. May we, we, we just worship you with our lives. Lord, and I just lift up a special prayer for Pastor Mike right now. He's preaching and teaching your word. Lord, just give him the words to say and help him to get out of the way. That church, Lord, may as they hear your truth spoken, may they hear it, may they be moved to respond. May your spirit move, may your spirit work. And Lord, as you work there, Lord, we ask that you'll work here because we know we need your help. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift of your son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I am, uh, I've known for some time Mike wasn't going to be here the second week. We're, if, for, for some of you that don't know, we're in week two of a, uh, like a five or six week stewardship ser- series. Surprise! Don't get up now. You can't leave. It'll look, everybody will know. We're in a stewardship series. I'm not going to beat you up too bad, I don't believe. Uh, well, God, 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 God may, so I, I won't. Um, <clears throat> I've known sometimes he was wanting me to preach, and so I wasn't sure what, and he was off at India, so I'm still waiting, going, okay, where do you want me to preach, Mike? Where do you want me to preach? He's like, don't get your own thing. I've got something planned on where you, you need to preach out of. Um, about eight days ago, uh, ten days ago, he says to me, uh, and it's always bad, he says this, I know Brother Jackie preached about two weeks ago on worry, but I need you to preach on, on worry the second week of stewardship. Okay, you got the stuttering guy coming in, not near a school as you, coming to preach. Now you're going to have him preach something a guy preached two weeks ago? Dude, really? Really? Is this fair? That's what I thought. Because <clears throat> Brother Jackie did a bang-up job when he preached Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing. And he talked about anxiety in her life and be, being worried. But then he says this to me. He says, I want you to preach on worrying about money and pos- possessions specifically because our people need to hear it, and because I know it's what you, str- you str- str- struggle with. I went, oh, dude, do you have to say, say that? I really don't like to hear about the things that other people tell me what I struggle with. You see, I don't worry about a whole lot of stuff. A lot of stuff, it, it comes my way. I'm ready to fix it. Um, uh, it's just sort of, can't do anything about it. We'll do what we can to fix it. We'll move on. Two things I do wor- worry about. Speaking to you today, number one, money, number two. Those are probably the only two things that really sort of get my goat. So I said, okay, Mike wants me to speak on, on that because I, de- I deal with it. And then he said this to me. He said, I want you to understand, I've not only seen you struggle with it, but there's been times in your life I've seen you o- overcome it. I went, oh, man, thanks. You know, I don't see where, but th- thank you. I appreciate it. And so, um, 
Today I'm going to speak to you about worry, but in the context of stewardship. Because we worry about so many things in this life. So many things get in the way. But when worry comes in and gets on top of, of this, you know, stewardship and money and possessions, it can really sort of trap us. And we're going to sort of look at, look at some things there. So we're going to be in Matthew ch- ch- chapter 6. And we'll see where the words of G- Jesus here, and he's ad- addressing this issue. Because see, it affects us all. And worrying about finances or money will guide our actions if we're generous or not. It'll guide our choices, whether we're gracious or greedy. And it'll actually show whether we trust God or doubt God. That's what we're going to sort of look at in the text here. So let's take a look at, just start, start reading uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And this is what it says. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Stop right there. We start with a word that says, therefore. Now, whenever you see the word, therefore, in the Bible, you want to look and see what it's there for. So you look at the, the passage right before it and see what that's talking about because it is, it is intimately connected with this passage. You cannot read where we're at without going back and seeing what this is about. So let's jump all the way back to, to Matthew chapter, nine, or chapter 6, verse 19, and just see what he was talking about right before he goes into this, therefore. This is what it says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Last week, Pastor Mike preached on... Um, the good stewards, the one with the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent, and, and how it, you know, God gives us all according to what God wants to give, what you, what you can take on. It's not up to you what you get. God gives it to you, five, two, or one talent, and we're called, whatever amount it is, to use it for his honor and glory. It's all God's. Everything we have is... Everything we own, have, will ever have is God's. We go, well, I worked hard to earn that. Well, you know what? You borrowed it, and it's really God's, and he's allowing you to use it. It's not ours. It's his. That's what Pastor Mike keyed in on this past week. So now we look at the passage before. The therefore is talking about do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth because they're not going to last. We can't take them with us. We, we've seen rust. Have you all seen rust on metal? It eats it up. It makes it u- 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 useless. Um, thieves can break in and destroy. Things of this world will not last. And it says this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Some of your translations, the last word there might be mammon, which is a Greek word that says money or possessions. What you have. That, that, that's what that means. But the, the verse ends at right before where we go to the therefore. It ends it with you, you, you can't serve God and money. You're gonna, you've got to make a choice. Am I going to put my faith and trust in God or am I going to put my faith and trust in, in, in money and things I have? And so many times in our lives we say, God, I'm trusting you, but then we put all of our faith in what we have. And we go, well, God, you seem so far away, and I've got this, and I'll, this will get me through the day. And God's saying, hey, just look at me. Trust me. Let's go into the main scripture here, uh, uh, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, 
what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about cl- clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, need, they neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, the, the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, oh you of little faith? First point for today of why we should not worry when it comes to things of, of our money and stewardship. Do not worry because God is our provider. Jesus is saying clear as day here. He says two things. Are you not more valuable, valuable than the birds that God provides for? Are you not more valuable than the lilies of the field that God grows in all of their splendor that are here today and gone tomorrow? Are you not worth much more than these? Now, in Genesis um, on the fifth day, we see that God creates the birds. On the third day, we see that God created all the things that grow. And then in, in, in Genesis 1, I think around verse 28, it says that God tells man to be fruitful and multiply, that I've given you dominion to rule over everything that creeps, everything that, that swims, and everything that flies. So we understand that birds are part of what God has given man to rule over. It's part, does everybody agree with this? This is all sound, right? You all sort of know this? Okay. He gives it to rule. He also says that every um, plant is, is, is for you. All the fruits of the plant is for you to use. And verse 29. So the question is, if God is going to take care of the birds and make sure that they are fed and taken care of, and if God takes care of the lilies of the field and clothes them in splendor, the things that God has given to sustain us and take care of us, he pr- he's providing for, how much more is God going to provide for us? We sort of miss that. We go, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he is or not. And we, we sort of seem to miss that truth. And then don't miss this. That's just one point of how he p- p- provides for us. Do not forget in, first, in Genesis 1, 26, it says that we are made in God's image. Do you understand? Nothing else is made in his image, but we are made in his image. How much more is God going to provide for us? So why does worry trap us, or how are some ways that worry, worry trap us? Let, let me share a story. Before I came here on staff, I've been here about four years. I've served for 14 years at a church in South Jacksonville. I went there, and I, I went there to work as the youth pet pastor there when I was a very young, young man, uh, came on full-time staff. The church w- wasn't doing that great. I came on staff. Um, for five years, I had worked there, and things were going great. I mean, the youth program had grown. Our church had grown. We were doing quite well. They had, um, a lot of the, the staff who had been there had left, and I was almost the se- senior staff there. And so my role evolved into one that was over. It was an administrative role as well as with youth, but I was over all the staff that came in. I was over there vacation time. I would help to train them. I'd help to work it out so that they were as effective as they could be in doing their, their service there at the, at the church. Now, 
after being there five years, we began to bring on more staff. And as they came on, I would sort of help train them, teach them over them. They need, they need something, they would come to me for it. So I sort of, I, I sort of gained the trust of, of, of the church there to do that role. But I began to notice something. When we began to hire new guys, they might have been two years or three years older than I was, but we began, they were coming in at quite a, quite a big pay grade more than what I made. Just being transparent with you. And, um, and they were like 15 to 18 grand more than me. And I remember going, ooh, and it began just to eat at me. I'm human. I know you're stunned right now. You're going, that guy's human? <laughs> and it began just to eat at me. And, um, and we brought on another guy, and he was making like 18 grand more, one and a half times what I made. And I remember I kept it in at the church because that's what you're supposed to do, keep it in and be all spiritual and stuff. Not that we, we do that, you know what I'm saying? And um, I would come home. I don't think I even talked to my wife much about it, but I think she knew something was eating at me. But I would not. I would not sleep at night. When I got home, I would make it through the day. I'd work through the day. Wouldn't think about it. Once I got home and the day stopped and I could go to sleep, it, it would eat eat at me. And I just for six months, man, it, it just this bitter root in me just just grew. Man, I'm not proud of it, but it did. And I remember about after six months, still doing my job, just doing what I was supposed to be doing, but just sort of hurt or selfish or whatever you call it. It's a lot of that stuff. I um, was in the Word on my own time. I don't remember where I was at, but I was just sort of having a talk with God just about life. And God almost said to me, I remember not his voice or anything, don't, don't freak out. He said, um, who's in charge of everything? I went, <laughs> God, you are in charge of everything. I knew the answer. You know, I felt really good. Okay, you are in charge. And he said, well, um, who's in charge of your pay? And I went, dad, dad blame personnel team. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. I mean, they just don't see how hard I'm working. They don't see. And God said, well, who allows that personnel team to be there? And I went, I'm a loser. I went, God, you allow it. If I really believe you're in charge, I, if I really believe that you're big enough, then God knows what I make. God's actually appointed those people and allowed them, allowed them to be there who set my pay. And I remember from that day on, I understood a truth that has never left me, was that God is my provider. Man is not provider. A finance team, a stewardship team is not my provider. God is my provider. And I slept great. Now, I don't always sleep good, but finances never, never hit, hit me the same way that it did. Um, can I tell you, I tell that story, it, it sort of fits, I think. But some of you need to hear that story. Because some of you are sort of in that same, same boat where it's just, man, dude, it's not fair. Can I tell you that in that six or, or eight months, I never had a bill go late we had everything we needed. We probably went on a vacation or, or, or something, you know, it was b b before we had kids, so we had a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> little punk kids. <clears throat> and um, we were taken care of. God's our provider. Point one on, on finances, do not worry because God's your provider. He provides what you need. Now, as I read this passage, I don't know about you, but mine's in red. Some of you have yours in red. The, word, the words of Christ are Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ, talking to us about the birds of the air, talking about that God takes care of them, talking to us about the lilies of the field, how they're clothed in splendor. Jesus is saying these words, but do you understand that the one that's talking about the provision of God here is the greatest provision God could ever give us? Do you understand that Jesus is telling him, hey, God's your provider. But, and he knows this, that, that we all sin and we, we fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin, what we earn is death. He knew that even as he told the story, he's saying, hey, God's going to take care of you. But even as he's saying it, God's greatest gift is saying these words to us, that he is our greatest provision, that he came on earth because we could not get to God on our own, because our sin kept us separated from God and we cannot earn our way there, that he came and he lived a perfect life without sin, fought against us, showed us how to live. He taught us how to love. He was put on a cross and the cross did not kill him. Do you understand that our sins were taken by God, laid on the son, and he died as a sacrifice for our sin? In First in Corinthians 5, 21, it says this, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The greatest provision we could ever have is te- te- teaching us about the per- provision of God. About God, do not miss the power of that in this pe- passage as we read it. Now let, let's look at Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-one. He started off in verse t- twenty-five with the therefore, I tell you. Once again, we go back into a therefore right here. He says this in verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. First point, do not worry because God is our provider. Second we do not worry because God is our hope. You go, well, is that the, the same thing? Well, it sort of is, but it sort of isn't. Verse 32, look at this. It says this, For the Gentiles, those who do not know God, those who do not believe in God, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Do you know that a Gentile, someone who doesn't believe in God, does not put their hope in God? Do we understand that? As a believer in Jesus Christ, we're called to put our hope in God. Can I tell you, we cannot put our hope in the stock market. Y'all know that. The housing market. The, the, The government. You can't put your hope. We can't. The lost will put their hope in those things because that is all they have to put their hope in. It makes sense. You don't go, oh, that's a dumb thing. No, it's not dumb. It's the only thing that makes sense. We only have one choice. Put our faith and hope in God. He says he will supply. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. What things do you need? Oh, we need, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And then it says this. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, sometimes this, this verse is sort of used a lot, but can I, can I tell you that the, all these things will be added added to you. It's not about more money in your bank account. It's not about you having more stuff. You know what God's going to provide for you? Everything you need. Sometimes you might get some wants in there. Yeah, and that's every good and perfect gift comes from God above. 
But he's going to provide your needs and not your wants. He's going to provide this refers back to verse 31. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? He will provide all of your needs. You know, when we, um, I talk about this a lot, and I'm sorry, it's part of my life with adoption. Adoption has become, before 2007, adoption wasn't really any conversation ever in our household. In March of 2007, uh, we felt led to adopt. My wife and I, within the same week, God spoke to us both on our own. We came together, and I said, sweetheart, I need to talk to you about something. And she goes, well, babe, I need to talk to you. She, she, she calls me that, babe. And uh, she says, well, babe, I need to talk to you about something. I said, well, I want to say you first. She goes, well, you, you first. So I said, you know, I think God's calling us to adopt a little girl from China. <clears throat> and she says, I think so, too. And at that point, I went, oh, dear Lord, we can't go back now. <laughs> it's come out of our mouths. We both said it. We know what God is calling us to do. So from the get-go, we knew God was calling us to do it. It was something God was working in our hearts. But we knew this. Um, it was a lot of money, and that was the biggest thing that scared us. But we said this. I remember going, knowing this, God, if you called us to, to, to do this, you will help us to find a way to do it. Whether it takes us five years to pay off, whether whatever, we're, you're going to make a way for us to pull this off. So we went in, and can I tell you, I've not gotten a lot right in my life, but we went into this adoption, and we do- adopted May- May- mainly in, in uh, October 2010. We went into it going, okay, God, we need you to move. We cannot do this. This is too big. We need you to move. And... Um, we wondered how we would see a move. And so it took, instead of the, the two years we thought it was going to take, it took three and a half years, which was sort of good because it gave us time to, to save money and sack it away. And so the Lord provided for us in a lot of ways that we were able to save a lot of the money with, with work, and we sold, sold a house and moved, and, and that, that, that helped us too. So, and I believe that was the provision of God, okay, even being able to save money. That was God at work. We had two, two things occurred during that adoption. Um, we had a... Um, a car that was starting to break down. We sold it, and uh, we were looking for another car. We only had about 2500 to put toward, towards a car. I got a call from a friend. He was buying a new car. He had a car that was just set for a new car. He said, hey, I know what you sold your car for. I've got a car. I know it's, it's worth more than what you got, but if you want to, I know you're trying to save money, so if you just want to buy my car from me, um, I'll, I'll sell it to you, and, uh, and you can have a good car. He said, why don't you pick the car up and drive it for a day or two and see if you like it. So, so I did, and it was a great car. I drove it for a day. That night, I got a call from him, and he said this. He said, because uh, I was about to tell him, dude, man, we're, we're set to buy the car. And he said, hey, man, uh, I can't sell the car, the car, the car, the car to you. And I remember going, oh, dad, gum, man, that's, that, that's wrong. Now, I, I, I thought it, you know, I, don't, I think bad stuff, I guess. Um, <clears throat> I thought that, and so he said, no, no, he said, he said, we can't sell the car to you. He said, I want to give you the car. And I went, whoa, 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 no, no, no. He said, no, before you, you fight me on this, my wife and I have been praying because we know you're adopting, and we, we've been wanting to be a part of your adoption. So um, we want you to take the money you would have paid us and put it in your bank account and put it towards that girl. I got off the phone. I get choked up still. Pull together. Okay. I got off the phone, and I walked into the um, kitchen where my wife was, and I told her what, what happened, and we, we both cried. Fast forward about a year and a half. It's two weeks before we're supposed to fly to go get Maylie. Ma- 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 
everything's been taken care of. Our last bill is coming in the mail. It's, it's, it's our bill for our flights and our hotels and all that stuff. And it comes in, and it's two grand more than we have in our ba- bank account. And I remember going, oh, we've come so close. This will do. I'll just wait a couple days. I'll go talk to my dad and just bar- borrow some money. And I, I've never borrowed money from my dad. When I was 18, that doesn't count. That's before, you know, 18 and, and under, that doesn't count. After 18, and older, you, you understand. And so I thought, you know what? We're this close. God's provided for us. We'll just go just get this so we can make it because our bank account was going to be gone. It's gone. And that next day in the mail, we get a card that said, we just want to be a part of your adoption. It was a check for three grand. And we went, I took the card, took it to my wife, showed it to her, and we cried. Can I tell you, I am thankful for those who felt led to give and to help. I am so thankful. But you know what? I'm more thankful to God because he was, he was our, our hope in the process. And I, I believe it again. We're, y'all know we're adopting again. We don't know how it's going to work if we have to sell a lot of stuff at the house or whatever. God's our provision. He'll, he'll provide for us. God's our hope. Our hope's in God. Do not worry because God is our hope. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have something the world will never have. We have hope in something that will never crumble, will never fail, will never falter. Look in this next verse. Once again, you, you, you see the phrases, verse 34, it says this. It says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own tr- trouble. You know, I um, read, read something that was interesting this week. They say that <clears throat> fog, a fog bank that is 100 feet deep that can, can, can cover seven city blocks is made up of one cup of water. It's 6,000 million droplets or you know, whatever. One cup of water can shut down seven blocks. Have you ever been in fog? What happens when you get fog? Hopefully brake light. You brake a little bit, right? Hopefully. No, nah, I'm living it on the... No. You, you slow down. I mean, it, it shuts everything. So that means a, a few gallons of, of water in itself can shut down a large city. Do you understand worry is the same thing? A cup of worry, one little thing, and it just seems to makes everything cloudy, unsure, unstable. It's not safe. Worry is just, just like that fog. I mean, it's, it can be a small amount, but we let that thing run. And it shuts us down. I don't know about you, but it, it shuts us down. And the Word of God says, hey, three times we've, we've, we've seen him say, verse 25, verse 31, verse 34, therefore do not be anxious. Do not. Okay, do you get the hint? I don't think this is a suggestion at this point. This is a command at this point. Not just something that you might, well, it's just Paul's right now. This is the words of Jesus Christ going, hey, 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 hey. My Father, He is our great provider. My Father, He's our, our great hope. That's where you put your great hope in. And you know what? The third point, do not worry about tomorrow because it distracts us from being faithful today. How many times do we go, well, let's just wait and see how that works out. When God speaks to your heart to do something, to give something, to move, to act, 
there's a time when you, you quit going, I'm just going to wait for tomorrow because worry is going to make you wait till tomorrow. Let me just wait and make sure it's safe, make sure it's wise. Can I tell you, when, as a follower of G G Jesus Christ, in the eyes of this world, you will do some of the most unwise things. It will make no sense. You give what to the church? Really? That much? It will be the, they will think you are stupid. But can I, can I let you know this? We cannot be anxious about tomorrow because there's stuff to do today, to act today, to live today. I am, once, once again, let me just share, when we started this ado ad adoption stuff this time around, I, I me being, um, <clears throat> uh, we've talked about saving money and, uh, and just being, being frugal and being smart. And so, but I told this to my wife, being the spiritual le leader that I am, I said, baby, I understand we're saving money, I said, but we need to make sure that we, we're not, we don't stop being gen, 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 generous. Stay away from that word. <laughs> don't stop being nice with our money. Okay, so that's what I said, said to her. And she goes, good. I said, we've got compassion kids that we support. We've got some missionaries that we support. I know there's needs in the community that come up, and I, when they come up, I don't want to go, no, no, we're saving for adoption. Sometimes you just, you just got to give. And um, so it was really good because, like I said, Dan's not really good at, with this stuff. That was a good step for Dan. And uh, three, three weeks passed. This, is, this past week, I, uh, my wife and I are sitting on the couch. Gosh, this is confession time. We're sitting on the couch, and she's got her laptop, and she's doing like a compassion letter. You can like now type them online and send them, so you don't have to send them the mail and write in our com compassion kids. And she goes, oh, hey, honey, I'm going to just take 60 bucks out of her bank account and send it to the Compassion Kids because they need some gifts for Christmas because it's time to send them their Christmas gifts. At that point, I went, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> now, the grunts aren't good, guys. When you grunt, we know that. It's not, because she, she went, huh? I went, uh-huh, <laughs> And I didn't really make them words. I was more grunting. <laughs> Can I, y'all going to think I'm awful, but you're awful too, so it's okay. <laughs> um, I'm thinking, dear Lord, we buy them food and clothing and schooling all year round. Why do we need to get them Christmas gifts? Okay, <laughs> that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And so she goes, um, okay, I'll hold off on that. And then and we went on to bed. The next day, spiritual Dan, he's um, trying to figure out what Mike wants him to preach to you on this day. You know, Mike hasn't said yet. I know it's about stewardship and giving, so I'm looking up giving verses just to get a good feel of it because he hasn't told me. I find myself... In, uh, let me get, in 2 Corinthians 8, about being a generous giver. And it's talking about the church of Macedonia, a church. And, and we'll probably be taught on this sometime in the next few weeks. But this is a church that all it describes them as being very poor, very, very poor, as in barely anything to eat. Some of them are starving. And to this other church that was in need, it says that the, the, they gave within their means. And then it says, and then they gave beyond their means. Very poor church, Macedonia, they gave within their what they could give, and then they gave beyond of what they could give. At that point, I think I cried. <laughs> and I was so convicted because I went, oh, Lord. And I went home and I confessed to my wife and kids, Dad, Daddy was wrong. Dude, I, I missed it. We need to be generous givers, like I said. And, and uh, so that's what we did. 
Do not forget, God calls us to be generous givers of everything He has given to us. Everything. No matter the season of life you're in, He calls us to be generous. Why do we not, not worry? Because, because God's our provider. He's, he, he's, all, you, he's all, you, all you need and He's all you got. You put your faith in, in stocks, in, in, in homes, in gold, try it and see how long that lasts. It's going to fail you. God will not fail. Do not worry because God is our hope. And may, may we not worry because there's stuff to do today for His glory and His honor that we're missing out. And may my greatest hope for us as a church that we don't miss out, that we are people of action, that when there's a need, there's a movement, we move. We trust, we seek. That, that's the hope. Look, let me close with this, uh, this story. I've been an active r- r- runner for the past almost three, three years. Okay, that's sort of where I'm at. I hate running. I love eating. I love eating more than I hate running, therefore I run. And I, I, I've been doing so for three years. Well, for three months ago, I've not had anything go wrong, but three months ago, man, my, my feet began to hurt. And I would be walking around, and it was just, they're sore. It felt like I'd bruised my heels. And so I was like, dead, dead going, but I kept on running, kept on going. And, uh, and finally got where I, when I get up in the morning or when I'd ride around in my car and get out of the car, I'm getting out like I've, I've been like whipped in the legs. And I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? How's it going? Like, what's going on? 42-year-old, not supposed to walk like that yet. <clears throat> and it comes to find out I've got plantar fasciitis. That's where the bottom muscle on your foot from your, that pad to your heel, it's, a, it's a, a muscle that goes all the way across, and it gets stretched, it gets weak, weakened, and it can get tear, tears in it. And there's, there's a lot of times if you have a low arch or no arch, you tend to get this. But sometimes even when I've got a, a high arch, but I, 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 I still did. So I met with um, Genesis. He, he's a good, good friend of mine. He goes here to the church. We've been doing one-on-one dis- discipleship for nine months now. And um, he's a PT guy. So he said, hey, I've got a slot. After we met for lunch, he said, I've got a slot. Why don't you come in? I'll take a look at your foot. And he said, dude. You've got it for sure. That's what you got. He goes, I know you run. He said, so cut your running in half because I know I can't get you to stop, but you got to give that foot s- some rest. And I was like, oh, okay. Because if you're a runner and you like that, that means i got to eat half. You know, <laughs> That was the bad part. I was like, oh. So instead of running five days that week, running about 20 miles, I ran three days, 18 miles. I know that's not half. Okay, but I'm a runner and your math is skewed. Um, so I told him that, and he's like, and he looked at me the next week or two. He said, dude, you, you, you're going you're to have to stop. I said, I know, I know, I know. And I just kept on running. You know, kept, keep, keep running, keep running, swimming. And um, finally, within this past week, it's just been killing me still, just hurting. And uh, I'm at the point where I believe what he says. <laughs> I, I've got to stop running in order for it to heal, because if I'm not, it's not going to heal, and I'm not going to get to where I want to be. I want to be better. I want to be healed in good, good shape. And can I tell you, I hope some of you in this room, when it comes to stewardship in your life, you're at the point that you're ready to listen to what God has to say. And not only listen to what he says, but follow his instruction. Believe that he is your greatest provider. Believe that he is our only hope. Everything else falls down. 
And man, believe that. You know what? The worry's going to the words of t- tomorrow are going to distract us from being faithful today. Man, I want to be. I don't know about you, but I want to be faithful today. I want to be faithful that in even as I leave this room, I'm being faithful to God. That's my hope in my life. I know I fail. I know we miss, but I hope that's the hope in you, in your life too, that you and I will be faithful today and not let the things of this world, the possessions of this world rule and reign in our lives. We're about to go into a time of invitation. The um, front will be open just to pray. If you need a little time to pray, you might just want to pray where you sit. I'll be down front if you just want to talk. I'll make sure my microphone's off. But if God is speaking to you about doing some, some, something, you've got one choice, and that's do it. If not, you're being disobedient to God. So be obedient to him. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your truth. Lord, I thank you that you speak these words to us, that you tell us to do not worry because you are the great per, per, provider. You tell us do not worry because you are our only hope. And Lord, may we be not distracted by tomorrow so that we can be faithful for today. May we honor you. May we live for you. May we be known as people who trust you and follow you. For anybody here in this room, Lord, may, may they, um, however you speak, Lord, may they be compelled to move. Uh, Lord, help every man in this room to lead how you call them to lead and help us all be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand? We're going to sing and uh, won't you come.